Friday, October the 9th, 2020. We're coming down to the end of this wild sports uh, time period. And we've got so much going on in the world of sports. And we're going to have a heavy NFL show and a lot of uh, the weekend racing for Friday and Saturday. Belmont, Keeneland, Santa Anita. But we will talk a little NBA and a little baseball early on. Hope you're all having a, a great week. And wow, I mean... What, what a crazy last few weeks with everything going on and we are now to the point where the Lakers are up three games to one in the NBA Finals and game four was just a a fight a scrap back and forth Bam Adebayo returned for the Heat and late in the game you know Lakers are up by two and you get these two huge buckets from KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, the man who the fans have have you know ripped, said he was overpaid, much maligned. He had a, you know so many stretches where he would struggle and just miss wide open shots or kind of you know make a, a silly play or a decision. And he has been incredible. This year, one of the most consistent players for the Lakers down the stretch, and this will be remembered as the KCP game. You know, the Lakers have to go on and seal the deal. You really won't remember a KCP game if they blow a 3-1 lead here and end up losing this series, but the Lakers have to come out on Friday and uh, and try to finish the job. And it was, this was a weird game, Game 4, and next week we'll talk a lot more basketball as we recap whatever happens in these finals I'm so anxious and nervous I don't even really want to get ahead of myself as a Laker fan I would I'll, I'll much more enjoy if they win Being able to recap and have sort of a little celebration And if they lose, unfortunately that would be awful We'll look back and, and say why and what happened But when Anthony Davis is playing the kind of defense he played Late in Game 4 They are just such a good, good team and they they got great contributions from you know Kuzma when they needed a few big buckets Morris they needed some uh, you know veteran presence and savvy down the stretch from Rondo which they got so Laker fans one game away from another NBA title over in baseball we are just about down to the final four the Astros are in. They beat the Twins, they beat the A's So yes, the Astros, everybody's favorite The lovable old Astros They are locked into the American League Championship Series They're going to play the winner of the Rays and the Yankees Those two teams play on Friday Game 5 of their series That is tied two games to two It's going to be Cole versus Glass now there So Glass now is going to be coming back on short rest After just a few days He probably won't be able to go much more than just a couple innings there Dodgers are in They swept the Padres The Braves are in They ended up sweeping the Marlins And both of those teams have not lost a game Yet In the playoffs The Dodgers or the Braves And they will move on And they will play each other in the National League Championship Series One of those two teams will make it to the World Series And they will play the winner Of the uh, the Astros And the Astros will be matching up With the winner of that Yankees raise So still five teams remaining After Friday there will be four left And we will know what the ALCS Looks like, already know what that NLCS Looks like 
Is this the year for the Dodgers or are the Braves quietly able to come in here with a very, very good team and upset a, a Dodger team? And you look on the other side, is it going to be the Astros who they were under 500? They only made the playoffs because it was an expanded field this year. They wouldn't even have been here. They ended up matching up with a Twins team that has been just terrible in the playoffs over the last 15, 20 years. And then after beating the Twins team, they end up matching up with the division rival that they know really well and who's also been really bad in the playoffs. That's the A's. And no excuses for the A's this year. They were in a great, great spot. They absolutely laid an egg. They ran into an Astros team that is not as good as the other Astros team. They don't have the pitching. They don't have the depth. And uh, and the A's just got beat up. They really did. So baseball looks like we are going to have uh, Braves-Dodgers, the 1-2 seeds on the National League side. And on the American League side, the uh, the Oakland A's, the 2 seed is out. The 1 seeded Rays, they're trying to stay alive uh, against the Yanks there. So we'll have a lot of championship series discussion next week on That's What G Said and with those Final Four baseball teams and Hopefully a lot to discuss uh, with the NBA champion, whoever that may be. You know who I'm rooting for. Hopefully the Lakers, just one more game. Come on, LeBron, AD, let's seal the deal. I know one man who wants to see both the Lakers and the Dodgers bringing home titles this year. That is Tyler Herringer over at Sarah Candle Company. Website for them, sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. These are candles that are all-natural soy wax free from the toxins that are found in paraffin wax that's used by all the other leading brands. With this all-natural soy wax, it's actually better for you and burns up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candles. They have 25 different scents, three different sizes, and when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. This is a great gift for someone. Holiday season coming up. All sorts of holiday seasons coming up. SarahCandles.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. Gets you 10% off of your purchase. NFL Week 5, we had the Thursday night game, and the Bears beat the Bucks, and it, it really came down to Tom Brady with a blunder. In the end, uh, the, the Bucks are beat up. They have a lot of injuries to their skill position players. And this was a, a tight back and forth ugly game after the Bucks take a big lead early. The Bears come back and then it's tight late. And Tom Brady, late in this game, throws a pass on what he thought was third down, but was actually fourth down. In you could tell the way he threw it, the body language after he held up four fingers, he thought it was fourth down. And one of the all-time greats, if not the all-time greatest quarterback that we've uh, we've seen play, the one of the, the best winners, leaders. He's so focused. It looks like he made a a major blunder, and that's one that cost the the Bucks, and that's one that could come to bite them late in the year. You know, you're battling for a playoff spot, playoff seating. The that loss could really come back and bite you. Before we get into week five, we're going to get into the rest of the week five uh, slate with Eric, ETOF21 Sports. We're going to 
go through all the games, lines, give you some some fantasy thoughts. Let's talk a little bit about fantasy. They'll thrive fantasy, the new DFS app for prop bets. Another big week coming up on Thrive Fantasy. So they have tons of contests that you can get involved in for five dollars. The big ones are generally twenty or twenty-five dollars each week. They have ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in prize pools. And what you're doing is you're picking a prop over or under, and that's how you're building your lineup based on these prop bets. Download the app. Use the promo code G I N O when you deposit at least twenty. You'll get an instant twenty-dollar bonus all the way up to fifty. On your deposit, instant bonus right there when you use that promo code G-I-N-O. Check out Thrive Fantasy. If you like football, you like fantasy football, you like to play prop bets, this will be right up your alley. Promo code G-I-N-O and deposit at least 20 so you can get that instant $20 bonus. If you go up to 50 it'll it'll get you all the way up to 50 now let's talk week five. Um, just one uh, other note: we recorded this on Wednesday, so they had not made the announcement yet about the Bills Titans game. We really sort of just skipped over that game. The game will be being played now on Tuesday night. So if you're a fantasy football season long player, remember that that game will count for this upcoming week. So Bills Titans will be played on Tuesday night this uh, this upcoming week. We go through all the games for. Sunday and the Monday night game. Eric joins me for Week 5 NFL. It is crazy to think that we are going into Week 5 of the NFL already. He joined me to talk about a preview for the NFL draft. We discussed uh, a a big preseason preview before everything started. We talked, I think, Week 2. And now we're back to talk Week 5. E Top 21 Sports, Eric, who joins me on That's What G Said all the time, back for more. Eric, buddy, how's everything been going? Um, going good, man. Going good. You know, A's won. I won a baseball bet, so I have no complaints, man. There you go. Nice, nice. And, uh, I mean, we just are coming off of a few weeks stretch, unlike any. It's fun. It's it's It was awesome. But I, I will say, I'm glad we had everything that we had going, but... I, I won't mind when when baseball and basketball are done for a little bit and we just really can kind of lock in on football for a while because it's been hard for me. I'm a Dodger fan and a Laker fan, and I'm just – there's ga- it, it, these important games. And you know as a fan, like, I'm watching a Dodger and a Laker game. I'm not getting anything done. You know, oh, I'm not like, at all. On not every, at all. waiting on every pitch, every shot, just sweating through different T-shirts, anxious as hell. So um, there's been so much going on. But it'll be nice when uh, in, in a week or two when we can really, really lock in on the NFL. But we're going to lock in on the NFL for week five coming up, Eric. And what we have to mention right off the bat is, before anything, if you are a gambler, if you are someone who plays fantasy, daily fantasy, or in particular season long like uh, I know we do, Make sure you keep an eye on these games because we've seen the last couple of weeks now we've we've had some of the issues with COVID start to pop up with positive tests with players testing positive. We had a, a game uh, postponed to a bye week from last week. We had another game postponed and moved to the Monday night game, and there may be a couple games this week that have have similar situations. So what do we have so far? We've got the Titans Bills game that we have to keep an eye on because we know the Titans who. Already had their game from last week against the Steelers postponed. The Titans apparently were out doing um, a workout where they weren't supposed to, and and they had a couple more positives flare up. 
So that game, we don't really know what's going on. Um, I guess we're going to have to kind of wait and see if any of the Chiefs have tested positive because the Chiefs played the Patriots. We know that Cam Newton and now Gilmore has tested positive. So I guess the Patriots-Broncos game we'll maybe keep an eye on. But as of now, I mean, it looks like they're going to go through with Patriots-Broncos. It looks like they're going to go through with Chiefs-Raiders. The only game that it feels like might be really up in the air is Titans-Bills. I agree. I mean, yes. I think because all those pictures came out, they were practicing, and now Corey Davis has it. <laughs> yeah. Tannehill was there. I mean, I I personally think, like, how I look at this stuff, because they usually just find teams like what? Or players like 20 grand? Like, yeah. that's nothing to them. Nothing. I yeah. mean, I really feel like it should be, like, something, like, severe. Like, forfeit the game this week. Lose a first-round pick. It's got to be something so, like, the team stopped doing this because it was just mm-hmm. a slap on the wrist. Teams will just keep doing it because they can live with the punishment. And you're only, we saw this with the, uh, and I will, man, we got to applaud the NBA. They did a great job. There was only one or two little hiccups, we, you know, Lou Williams and a couple things here and there, but uh, baseball's done a pretty good job ever since the early issues that the Marlins and a couple of the Indians players had and the Cardinals they had. But you're only as strong as your weakest link in a situation like this. So you can have a team of 75 guys and everybody doing the right thing. And if 74 of them are in one guy's wrong, that you just can't have that, unfortunately. So um, we'll, we'll see. So far, we, we've only had, like I said, there's only been one game actually that's been postponed. And that was going to be moved to a bye week for the Steelers-Titans. The other one last week uh, was just made a double Monday night game. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully everybody... Just stay smart and doing what you're. You just got to do what you're supposed to do. This is it's a different NFL this year. It's a different world this year. There's different restrictions for every person at every one of their jobs, whether we like it or not, whether we believe in what's going on or not. So you know that's just unfortunately that's just the way it it goes. And and we'll find out. Keep in mind, Eric and I are having this conversation on Wednesday night, and the the show I will put out will be out Thursday middle of the day. So. Just keep in mind as far as the information is concerned That we're giving you when we go game by game If something's changed into Thursday, into early Friday uh, Make sure you keep an eye on that When you're uh, when you're getting ready to play your games And, and set your fantasy lineups and everything So let's start, Eric, we're not going to talk Thursday night game We'll talk, uh, the first game we'll talk about Is the Falcons versus the Panthers And I'll tell you the The perception of this Panthers team Has changed quite a bit over a few weeks You know Initially it was oh, Their defense is awful They looked so bad in week one They couldn't stop anybody Then they lose CMC And we just assume they're going to be you know, They're going to be really hard pressed to score To move the ball Well that's not been the case Matt Rule I think it's one of those situations Where it's almost Because there's a new coach A new system A new everything They haven't been just depending on CMC for years It's not like they're coming into a system Where it's all about CMC And so you remove him They're still able to plug and play with Mike Davis This seems like this this group of guys Is starting to believe in their coach The defense is actually making some plays now They're much improved They're going to be playing against the Falcons team That is just gasping for a win right now And we don't know how much longer their coach is going to be around The Falcons I see right now I think this was at 3 It looks like it's down to it, it was 3 a few days ago It might even be down to 1, 1.5 in some spots Because the money's coming in on the Panthers I think the total's around 54 in here So uh, Falcons Panthers It's tighter now It was 3 it Looks like it's down to close to around 1 Where do you uh, sit on this one? Uh, I mean the Panthers are averaging 24 0.75 points per game offensively the they're playing way better than I initially thought thought they would and 
they're kind of showing they really don't, in my eyes, need CMC. Mike Davis, yeah. he's kind of looked like a pro bowler in certain plays, and it kind of shows that it's not necessarily the player, but it's the running system that the running back is in, and Davis fits that running system. So giving CMC that money long-term may, may not have been the right play. Um, like I said, Panthers were averaging 24.75 points. Falcons are without their top four safeties. I would definitely lean to the over here. It opened at 51. It's at 54 and a half. So if it gets, I mean, you're playing a bad number technically. Um, so I would kind of sit out right now. If you like the Falcons, definitely now's the time to get it. It opened up at three and a half. Falcons, I think Quinn should have been fired after they blew that Super Bowl 28 to three. I agree. But this team kind of, they rally around him. I was a little disappointed with the effort on Monday. Monday was just brutal. They lost all those safeties. Ryan looked bad. Matt Ryan looked really bad on, on Monday night. Um, but I, I would lean to the one and a half here. I know DFS-wise, Panthers are the second worst against the rush, so maybe my Todd Gurley shares I have in our fantasy league will actually be worth something this week. <laughs> um, Teddy Bridgewater... Falcons are worst against the quarterback in terms of fantasy points per game. And shockingly, they're worst against the tight end. So a low budget option this week would definitely be Ian Thomas. But the over in the Falcons is where I'm looking at in this game. Yeah, I I like I'm becoming more and more impressed with the Panthers each week. I, I am. And I would at three to three and a half, I would have leaned Panthers for sure. At this number, I'll just kind of stay away because, like you said, you're not going to get a great number if you're on the Panther side. If you like the Falcons, jump in now because you're, you've gotten you know a couple extra points here um, built into this after that bad Monday night game. So we move to game number two. Ravens uh, minus 13 and a half now or so versus the Bengals over under in this game is 51 and a half. Lamar had a 50-yard touchdown run last week, which is funny. That's actually his career-long run. You know, you would think that Lamar's Got a little bit longer than that, but that's a fifty-yard, fifty-yard touchdown run's not not short. But um, he he got his career yard long there. Joe Mixon got unlocked for the Bengals, and hey, you know what? Burrow's a stud, and this Bengals team, they are not as bad as some of the bad bad teams in this league. They have been pretty competitive in all four of their games. Now this is going to be a different story playing against a Raven team that real that's really really good. On really on all sides of the ball, they're, they're, they don't have very many weaknesses. But I've been a little bit impressed with the the Bengals and Burrow and how they're able to hang in games and move the ball. They're just they're not some abysmally bad team that you just can't watch or they're so ugly. They're not the Jets, you know. Mm-hmm. I the thing with the Bengals for me is I felt like last game they remembered last year for the second half they ran the offense through Joe Mixon mm-hmm. and offensively they're a lot better. The first three games. Burrow was taking way too many hits, and if you he take those too many hits, times in one of those games, like you cannot do that to a young quarterback with an offensive line like that, that, like he has. No matter how good he is, oh no, you can't at all. And the same thing, I really feel Wentz's struggles is with how many hits he's taken. And I saw Burrow going down that path to being like a Wentz, somebody that will have a good game but will just look bad or get hurt because of all the hits. But he's definitely looked better running the offense through Mixon, and. I'm going to say it like I haven't been that impressed with this Ravens team. Me neither. As I thought I would be. There was some quote that came out today. I read it like on Twitter. Jackson's talking about how poorly the passing game is. He really hasn't taken that next step as a passer. I mean, he really didn't look that great 
against the football team. No. And even that Monday night game, he made, there was like two passes where he overthrew Jackson for an easy touchdown. So I just like, this team has a lot of studs and they really just haven't really impressed me with what I thought they would be. For me, the key to this game is if Derek Wolf, the interior lineman plays, if Wolf doesn't play, it'll, it's going to allow the Bengals offensive line to double Campbell. But if he plays, Campbell's going to have free run. So, I mean, I'm kind of waiting for this. I know right now the game is off the board, but I would definitely lead for the lean to the Bengals in this game. Um, and, Shockingly, the Bengals have only given up the seventh least amount of fantasy points to to quarterbacks, which I found kind of amazing because their defense always kind of gets a bad rap. So I would avoid Lamar Jackson. Um, a deep dive, Drew Sample, their backup tight end, the tight who's end, now the, mm-hmm. who's now the starting tight end for the Bengals. The Panthers have given up the eighth, eighth most points in fantasy to tight ends this year. So I definitely think there's there's value there. But I really like what I'm seeing from this Bengals team, and I think this Ravens team, my name alone, but if is getting overvalued. I agree, completely agree. And at 13, 13 and a half, Eileen Bengals. I mean, I would love to get a 14, but I just don't. The number's not moving that way. I don't think it, it, you probably won't get that. So if you find a 13 and a half, jump on that. A 13 is fine. I just think this. It just feels like too many. This team, even if they're down by, you know. 17 points late with with a, a late score can cover the the cover it for you. I think they're going to be more competitive though. I, I don't yeah. I don't necessarily feel like this is going to be a, a complete blowout here. You know we feel similar on this one. Um, definitely a Bengals lean for me. Okay, we'll get to the Texans now versus the Jags. This one is Texans minus six six and a half. You can find and obviously the big news here uh, over under in this one is 54 and a half. Bill O'Brien fired coach GM who has really. I mean, he's done a good job getting this team to the playoffs and winning the division, but he has absolutely decimated the roster, and he's done a terrible job as GM. He has given up picks and picks and picks for players that were just incremental, uh, in you know, incrementally able to improve the team. Nothing big splash. Traded away Hopkins, who you know was your best receiver and was sort of a franchise guy for you there with with Watson, but the the rumors are Eric that. O'Brien and Watt and a lot of the players were getting into it these last couple weeks and they were literally having screaming matches in the locker room and out on the sidelines and stuff at practice so you know we see it a lot of times when a coach gets fired and a team at least for one week or two weeks gets pumped up this to me feels like a textbook situation for that here if I could get a lower number I'd be all in on it because Mm -hmm. that is one of the angles I like but I mean six is a lot of points and Nothing I've seen from the Texans tells me they should be laying six points. In my opinion, this is by far the worst tackling team in the whole NFL. Like, I've never, I haven't watched one of their games and felt that they played good defensively. Um, offensively, I think this will open open it up a little bit more for Watson. I think Watson will have more free reign to do what Aaron Rodgers does, more audibles, more calling his own plays and constructing his own game plan. So I think for Watson to develop as a player and take that next step, it's good. But just to piggyback on what you said, if I'm a coach, like a, like a who are Eric the enemy, um, I wouldn't go here. Why would you just go because, there? Because you have you don't have a first year, you don't have a second round pick in next year's draft. My, the Dolphins have that, yep. so you can't build any draft equity, get any good players. You have a lot of guys that really don't fit the system defensively. I mean, granted, you have the Deshaun Watson, but you only are given three years. In three years, are you going to be able to? 
just fix this train wreck? There's no way. Your so, your skill position guys yeah. too are just it's like I, Fuller is is a good stretch the field. Like he's a good guy to have in your group of three or four wide receivers. He's a great weapon. But when he's your one, you, you know, and, and then you got Cobb and Cooks as your others, and they're question major question marks. Johnson's been solid, probably better than expected, but I, we have question marks about him. They're just not in great shape overall moving forward. Um, and the the thing that concerns me, and it's funny, with all I'm saying all of this, and I'm actually still going to take the Texans this week at six. I'm I'm okay with six. Yeah. You, I don't want any higher than that. Obviously, I don't want to go seven, but I I just think this is going to be the probably the best time this year to bet this team, expecting a good effort. But I mean, Eric, their run defense, they're 25th in yards per rush allowed, which is 4.9. Just think about that. It's two yeah. rushes and it's a first down every time. Yeah. And they're rush, giving rush like, first down. And, I mean, and then, that goes to one of my notes to play James Robinson this week against that defense. Absolutely. And DFS, if you have him, you know, you're definitely playing him in your season long. They've allowed 181.8 yards per game on the ground. And they've got some tough teams still on their schedule that run the ball really, really well. This just feels like if you like the Texans, if you think there's anything left in them, to me, this is the spot this yeah. week. Um, because you're you're gonna get them real Watt and th- th- that story mainly hearing that how pissed off like Watt was at the coach and they were going at it they have to have some life coming out this week. Um, let's get to the Chiefs versus the Raiders. Chiefs thirteen and a half. Raiders uh, over under is fifty six. The Chiefs are at home in this one. This is up from I think it was eleven and a half just about a day day yep. and a half ago. Um, the Raiders they had a big fumble from Carr. And you know the thing about about Carr, who he's fine, he's he's okay, but this this is a stat that'll kind of show you, he hasn't thrown an interception in 311 straight attempts, and and normally you would think, oh that's great, right? I mean he doesn't throw in any, any interceptions, you've got to force one or two, <laughs> you know? What yep. I mean? If you're a quarterback and you're on this a team that's down, that's losing games, there it's not bad to throw a pick every now and then. To force one, sometimes you throw a deep ball that would have been like a punt, anyways. I mean, he just—it just shows you that he doesn't take chances. He had some weird, upset comments after the game that were really bizarre. And I just—are they going to be able to keep up with this Chiefs team? That's a lot of points for a divisional rival, a team that you play a bunch. I, I just—this is a stay away. I mean, I, I, these big points games are games that I'm generally staying away from if I'm not on the underdog side. I mean. I agree with what you just said, staying away unless you're on the underdog side. I personally, I like the Raiders here. Right now, I'm bet on line. It's 13. Mm-hmm. I thought that game against the Bills was a lot closer than the score dictated. Yeah. I mean, and there even was the Patriots two... game, there was like one or two plays in both of those games that were major plays that went the other way for the Raiders. It was like they decided to kick a field goal instead of score a touchdown. Patriots came back. The game was over. And and then last week, there was one or two plays that go either way, and they're not bad. This this feels like a line again for for like a Jets team. It just feels like a little bit too much. There was two times last week. The big difference last week, there there was two great drives the Raiders put together. They got into fourth and one. Gruden's kicking... The field goal instead of trying to get the seven, especially on that drive right after the half. I mean, they were just motoring down the field, got the fourth and one. They took the three. He's got to go for in those situations. A footer or less, you have to go in the modern NFL. Um, The Chiefs, 
the Chiefs did not look that good at all against the Patriots. I'm nope. still bitter that I lost my Patriots plus 11 and a half and money line bet because they had two trips inside the 15, got zero points. Um, I, and like you said, when these teams play each other so much, they know all the systems, all the schemes. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game than people think. And I think it's going to be a closer game. I'm definitely going to wait it out and try to get the best numbers I can. But right now, definitely leaning toward the, uh, toward the Raiders in terms of DFS. Shockingly, the Raiders have allowed the third least points to Kelsey. So I'm definitely staying away from Kelsey and DFS. Um, but they've allowed a lot of points to the running backs, the six moats. So CM, I'm not a, I'm not an Edwards Alaire guy, I'm, but he gets the majority of the run, so he could yeah. be a good DFS play. Yep, that's uh, Chiefs Raiders. Definitely, I'm leaning to, would lean to the Raiders side. Also, uh, Cardinals Jets. Now, this is another spot where, man, talk about the Cardinals team that people got really high on after the first couple weeks. They looked good. They had to win over San Francisco. They came back with another win, and then um, the the Lions, your Lions, were able to beat them. And then they really, you know, it. It, it's funny because you know two three weeks into the season we feel like we know these teams and then we see teams string together a couple wins or we see a couple games and it changes how we our perception it, it felt like that loss to the Panthers wasn't good then you look back and you think oh the Panthers could very easily be three and one they could have won that opening game against the Raiders and maybe they're not as bad as we think um so this Cardinals team they're playing a Jets team the Cardinals are a seven point favorite on the road the Jets are awful but that, I mean that's it and and I I don't I, I don't think I could play the Jets side and I probably will would even play the Cardinals side, but that's so crazy for the Cardinals to be a seven point favorite on the road like that. The over under is forty six and a half. We get Joe Flacco starting for the Jets. Kyler is coming off a really bad week where he averaged only four point three yards per pass. That's coming off of a week before where he had three interceptions. So back to back lackluster weeks. Are the Cardinals going to bounce back here and beat up on a really bad Jets team? Cardinals, like you said, they've been a wreck the last couple of weeks, but they were missing three safeties who should be back for this game. Um, last year when the Cardinals were really clicking, they were funneling the offense through Drake. I don't know what's going on. Drake has not looked good at he all. He can't run the ball at a, all. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if there's an injury there or what's going on or maybe – he just is who he is. Like, he'll have a good play than a couple bonehead plays. I expect Chase Edmonds to play more. Um, one of the angles I really like is when a quarterback comes in to replace a guy. Um, Flacco's going to be playing for money. He's going to be mm-hmm. playing to secure something. They might get Bell and, back too, right? Let yeah, Bell the, be they're going to get Bell back. I definitely am going to lean Jets here, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Jets actually win this game. Flacco is the starter the rest of the year. I, how can I say this? Um, Sam Darnold's awful. Like, everyone hypes him for one or two throws. He got outplayed on a standalone game on Thursday by a third-string quarterback from Boise State who was undrafted. Yeah, it's not a, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm a USC fan, and, and I was, and I thought Sam always, to me, looked like the guy who would, it was a really good college quarterback. Um, he makes a lot of great plays. He rallies the troops. He, and and I don't think, I think in a, in a perfect situation, he could be okay. But I just never yeah. thought he was going to be your your franchise guy. Even and mm-hmm. and normally when you are a fan of a a team or someone that you've watched for years, you love them coming out. You know, you think way high. It's the opposite way. But I, 
you know, I, his he turns the ball over a lot. His hands are really small. He 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 buffs the ball, and and I think he's gotten thrown in a pretty crappy situation because Gase is just miserable as a coach. We've seen yeah. like how many of these players have left Gase, and they just become incredible when as soon as Gase leaves. You know, from Tannehill all the way down to Drake, who you just mentioned, or even Parker and some of them. But I, I agree with you. He's I, I don't. The only thing I worry about is that. The Jets line is not good And he can sort of at least move around A little bit back there And Flacco is pretty statue He might get hit a bit And it just, I don't know if Arizona has the kind of defense To do that to him though I don't think they do yeah. I, I, Their defense, it looked great Their defense looked great in the first game Against San Francisco, but then you start questioning Because San Francisco hasn't looked that great Is that San Francisco's offense um, the Lions, Stafford was able to eat that defense up. And then Teddy Bridgewater, who I don't think that highly of, was able to eat him up. You have an experienced quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, who's going to be playing for next year to prolong his career. Um, I'm definitely going to be on the Jets here. One of my guys, I, I know this guy who knows Flacco, and he says a motivated Flacco is a great quarterback. And I think we're going to see a motivated Flacco. We get to Steelers-Eagles Now this one Is this on the board? Yeah, so this one's at 7 right now Pittsburgh is a, a 7 point favorite uh, Against the Eagles over under 44 and a half um, So the Steelers are coming off their week Where they got their bye early They um, they were involved Not involved, they had nothing to do with it They were supposed to play Tennessee Tennessee had some players test positive for COVID So they postponed that uh, this game So the Pittsburgh Steelers now They will be playing, I think 13 straight weeks in a row Starting this week with no bye They are going to be playing an Eagles team Who got their first victory of the year And it was a massive victory And just to show you how just awful the division is It jolts them up to first As they are 1-1-2 one, one and two In uh, and you know, win Two losses and tie And they are your first place team in the NFC East I don't really got much of a feel for this game, one way or the other, um, where do you stand with Pittsburgh coming off their quote unquote bye week? Philly got their win. Wentz looked a little bit better. the The problem with with the Philly team when I when I look at this matchup in particular, Pittsburgh defense is good. I don't think it's been as good as people have said so far early. It's still very good. It's just the Philly skill players repeatedly over and over. The guys off the practice squad making catches. The guy who who, who caught the game winning touchdown for them. You couldn't even play him in in fantasy. <laughs> he wasn't yeah. even on the DFS yeah. slate because he was literally yeah. just signed off the practice squad. Um, when I look at this game, it comes down to a couple of things. I think this is a total flat spot for the Steelers. They're coming off an unexpected buy. They have games against the Titans and Browns on deck. Um. And then they have the overconfidence. Tomlin's at his best as a coach when he can do the me, the us versus the world coaching stuff, which he did great last year. Um, The Steelers team defensive line played great. And the Steelers offensive line has injuries and is banged up. And I think that's going to be the key matchup. I really hope that Peterson figures out that you need to give Miles Sanders more than 15 touches a game. Because it's... Peterson has never been the guy that has given the running back the run. He's always mixed it up with two or three guys. Sanders is your best skill guy by far. you got to have put the ball in your best player's hands to win the game. I think he'll do that. I'm definitely going to be on the Eagles as much as it pains me to say it because I'm not a Peterson or a Wentz guy, but I just think this is a flat spot for the Steelers. 
I would be that's the side I would lean to. I'm not sure if I'll make a play, but at plus seven, I think that it's, especially if it got to seven and a half, um, th- that would be you know definitely on the Eagles side. I'm just I'm not that impressed with the Steelers. I mean, I think they're the type of team, sort of like you said, they can they'll play up to the competition or down to the competition. They'll play with anybody, and mm-hmm. they'll you know they'll compete with the best teams in the league. But in a situation like this where they're a, a touchdown favorite, I don't know if I love them. Maybe this Eagles team is getting a little bit of confidence and trending in the right direction too. Wentz felt a lot more solid last weekend than he's been so far this year. So yeah, I would definitely lean that way uh, on the Eagles side. We won't talk Titans Bills because this game is off the board and it's just. It's really hard to, to predict, project We have no idea what's going to go on um, With all the, the COVID stuff there So if you're if you're someone who has a lot of these Titans or Bills in your fantasy leagues Or um, you know if you're playing any kind of DFS Or if you're you know betting, parlay, anything Just keep an eye on that Because we, you know monitor everything going on There's going to be a lot of information coming out On Thursday, Friday, Saturday As far as these teams, these positive tests Where they're going to play, everything going on there So we'll skip that Titans-Bills game And we'll move on to the Rams Versus the Washington football team This one has moved quite a bit now Because it's a bad spot for the Rams The The Rams are having to travel again Back across the country They're going back to Washington This thing has moved in a couple days From like 9.5 or so Down to 7, 7.5 So the Rams are a touchdown Maybe even a little more than a touchdown favorite On the road And there's going to be a quarterback change In Washington We're going to get Kyle Allen Who was the quarterback was actually the backup in Carolina who came in last year So you have some familiarity with the coaching staff And with the backup quarterback Do you think that makes a big difference for this team? Where do you stand on this game? The travel aspect for the Rams We talked about it during our seasonal preview Of the West Coast, East Coast, West Coast Is going to be really tough for them um, Goff, in my eyes, really struggles when he has a team defensively that gets in his face and blitzes mm-hmm. a team that lays mm-hmm. back he looks really good at to me he can make good because he can make good throws even mm-hmm. into tight windows even if there's some good coverage he's in trouble just like you said pressure in his face he's got to he's got to make a little bit of an audible or he's got to yeah. look through his progression progressions quicker than he wanted that's where he's in trouble this i don't like anything about this for the rams I just feel like if it gets to like six and a half, you know, if it keeps going lower, it could maybe get a little too low. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, how can I say people remember what they see last. Mm -hmm. And I think people are kind of devaluing the Rams in my eyes out of every team I've watched. The Rams are the best team in the West. I agree. Even though they looked a little little flat last weekend. And I think people are betting the Washington team because of that performance last week. Against the Giants Anything over 7 I'm in Like I said if the Giants defensive line Can get into Goff's face That's going to be the key Washington Washington, Washington, yeah, Yeah. sorry, Washington. Because they played the Giants last week And you know what and to piggyback your point The Giants defense is a little bit better Than than we we thought thought it was Yes so it's a little sneaky There's a lot of things that I agree with you You know at, at not I don't like the spot the travel everything it, it it's not a great spot for the Rams, but but the yeah. number keeps keeps trickling down to where it might it yeah. might get a little low. Like you said, at a at above seven, I would still it's be yeah yeah for, for me. Yeah. But below seven, then I would I would still th- I still think that was a fine number for the Rams there. So and also to piggyback 
like I just don't know what McVeigh's doing in terms of the running back situation. Yeah. What I took away from the game, the last two games, is Akers is clearly the guy because he yeah. keeps on funneling back and forth between Brown and um, Henderson. Henderson looked great in the Philly game. Was what was the game? It was Philly. What, Philly was awesome. Yeah, and then this game against he the was Giants, fine in Buffalo barely, too. He was yeah, solid Buffalo, in Buffalo. The Buffalo yeah. game. The Buffalo yeah. game. That's the game I based on. He he looked really good in the Buffalo game, but the the game against the Giants, he was barely on the field. Yeah, he was and bad. like I just feel that Akers is clearly the guy there, and they're just waiting for him to get back. Um, defensively, what was that with Jalen Ramsey after the game, man? So like they got was, I I know the story, but like, yeah, I heard he was like pacing, talking to someone on the cell phone, tried to get in Tate's face after the fight. Like, dude, you knocked up a stripper. I know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, You're I in just, the wrong. Yeah, You're in the like, wrong here. Why are you acting like a jackass? Honestly. Darnold tried to get in a fight with somebody. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think this is the best team, but when they face adversity and don't not play up, it kind of seemed like, Stuff started unraveling a little bit in that game mm-hmm. against the Giants. It's it's not a yeah. I was gonna say it's not a good. It's not a great energy to end off of a really flat win, and then you're in a fight like that after the game with one of your best players that you just paid a ton of money, and he's sort of one of your faces now. And so yeah, this this isn't. I'm probably not playing this game. This is a game that it's it's it, the movement. You know, there's a lot of you, there's a lot of reasons you could go to one way or the other. But um, you know, especially as a Rams fan, I'll just kind of kick back and. And maybe hope the Rams can can play well and not worry too much about it. Um, we get to uh, 49ers Dolphins here. 49ers are a seven. It, w- it was seven two days ago, and now it's up to eight, eight and a half, and I think nine in some places because the Jimmy Garoppolo. We're recording this on Wednesday. Jimmy G came back to practice on Wednesday, and it's funny. A lot of people have uh, you know ripped Jimmy G. And I, and I don't think he's in, an incredible quarterback in the least, but it does show you the difference between a solid, competent starting quarterback in the NFL and someone you know like Nick Mullins, who many people were really buzzy on in the last couple of weeks. They had said, this guy might be just as good as Jimmy G. Why do we pay Jimmy G all the money? Mullins can come right in. And, and we saw last week, I mean, he lost the game for them against the Eagles. Yeah. He threw one of the worst interceptions you will ever see thrown. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think this would be, especially if Jimmy G's healthy and this 49ers team starts to get a little more healthy, this felt would feel like a great spot for them to just kick the crap out of Miami. And so at seven, I would have liked it. Up to nine, I just don't I won't I don't want to be on the wrong side of the number by that many points. I mean, for me, this game screams over. I'll probably be invested in the over for this. Um, this isn't the 49ers defense of last year. Bosa's not nope. there, you can't get to the quarterback. There's there's a lot of injuries in um in the back, Sherman's out. Secondary's not looking too good. Also, I really think they're missing DeForest Buckner, who went to the Colts. In terms of the Dolphins, that back four is awful. I mean, their secondary is awful, but they put up points. I mean, the what, my biggest takeaway of watching Dolphins football is how much everyone likes Fitzpatrick. How everyone, like, gravitates to him and how he... Everyone just wants to be around him. This team will put up points. They competed against the Bills. They've competed against pretty much every team they've played against and put up points. It's just the fact their defense is not that good. I think this is going to be one of the highest scoring games. I'm definitely going to be on the over in this game. 
the Patriots Broncos is going to be I will we'll briefly mention it the the lines in this one are sort of all over the place because this is one of those games we just have to monitor Cam Newton who missed the Patriots game last week um, for testing positive for coronavirus now Stefan Gilmore has tested positive we don't know if more Patriots will uh, test positive over the next few days we're not sure what they do here so I, again it's it's really hard to get a gauge I mean if it's Stidham starting here. Um, because Stidham ended up coming in for Hoyer So you'd imagine it would be Stidham if it's not Cam I mean, a number, would you have any opinion in this game If it was a Stidham New England Patriots versus Denver? I mean, for me, the main thing is uh, Excuse me This is a this is a big game for the Patriots Because the Patriots are right now are two back of the Bills mm-hmm. They can't afford to go three back So mm-hmm. this is going to be a bigger game than people realize and in terms of the Broncos, Drew Locke practiced today. So is he going to be coming back quickly? Because I think the Broncos had high hopes this season. They realized, hey, if we don't have Locke, we can't compete because our quarterback position is so bad. I think this game is going to be a little bit more low scoring than people think. So I would definitely, if I can get anything 48 or, lo- or lower, I would be invested in the under in this game. In terms of a side, um, anything less than six. I'd be on the Patriots, but the under would definitely be my play in this game. We get to, in my opinion, the game that I'm the most interested in this week. Uh, we have two, three, and one teams, and this line was two and a half. It was Colts minus two and a half. It is now down um, to one and a half. You can get twos in some places. The Colts are at the Browns. They're at Cleveland playing a Browns team who is three and one. The Browns are, uh, the total in this game is around 47. The Couple couple really interesting Browns stats here. How about this? The Browns are three and one for the first time since two thousand one. They scored thirty points in three straight games for the first time since nineteen sixty eight. They scored thirty one points in the first half. That's the most they've scored in a half in the first half since nineteen ninety one. These next couple are great. Stefanski has as many wins in four games as Hugh Jackson had in forty. That's crazy. <laughs> in how about this one? In October, Stefanski has as many October wins. One as Hugh and Freddie Kitchens put together had one in their time in Cleveland. <laughs> so just some fun. I mean, this Browns team is just way, 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 way more of a team. They're way better coached. They last year, you were you were very against them because they were the buzzy team and you were spot on and, and that and you played them in a couple of different individual spots throughout the year where you actually you actually hit them but this year you could they they didn't do anything well last year this year they run the ball really really well they just ran for 300 yards that was the most rushing yards by a team in a game in a couple of years so you know, you don't want to buy in on the Browns' Kool Aid too much, but you don't want to be saying they're they're awful either because this team is not the same team as last year. They just seem like a team that they're starting to figure out. Okay, we don't want to ask too much of Baker. Let's just ask him to make a one or two really big plays or big throws a game. Um, maybe not have to ask him to do a little too much. There's no Chubb. That's going to hurt them, but they still ran the ball well with Hunt and um, and just bringing guys in off the uh, off the practice squad. This is an interesting game. The Colts are quietly three and one two. They should be four zero. They they shouldn't have lost that opening week to to the Jags. Um, T Y Hilton is someone who I think 
He and I have him in a couple different leagues. He's about to have a big game one of these weeks. He dropped a touchdown week one because there was a glare. The sun was in his eyes in the field. He has, I think, three or four different times where he probably would have had a touchdown, but there was pass interference called, so that that helped the Colts. He had another one the other day where he was wide open and Rivers missed him. So there's going to be one game where Ty ends up scoring three touchdowns and he has 150 yards. That should be coming soon. I'm. I don't think I have an opinion one way or the other. I'm just excited to watch this game. And this is, you know, Colts Browns aren't two you know, sexy teams you would have necessarily thought of. I mean, for me, this game is the game of the day, the one I'm looking forward to the most, like you. The Browns, they've gotten better over the last... I really wasn't impressed with the game against the Ravens. Skifansky is really figuring it out, how to use the play action to make Mayfield look a lot better. I really feel, though, that anytime Mayfield throws over 25 times a game, that's what they don't want. They're in they trouble. Mm-hmm. Yep. Their running system is insane. He runs a great running system. The, the, the Ernest Johnson. Did Ernest Johnson, he got more carries than Kareem than Hunt last week. And Hunt and, was a little I mean, banged both, up, and, and yeah. he might be a great play, too, a pickup, you know. Yeah. They're, both, um, they're both good one-cut runners. And my big thing with running – teams is that you have to fit the system and he's got two great backs that fit it even though Chubb is out but the Colts have been so good against the run I think this is going to be a great chess match I this is a pure stay away from me I just want to watch it kind of see how it unfolds um the one big stat though that sticks out to me is the Colt excuse me the Browns give up the most points per game to the slot wide receiver so I really think Zach Pascal is the is the play in terms of Colts, Colts wide receivers, in terms of fantasy, kind of like C.D. Lamb was last week. Um, the one thing with me though is I still really don't trust Skafanski. Like I don't. Did you watch the the end of that fourth quarter? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. was sometimes when there was a couple times when it's like third down, you're running the ball fine. Why are you having Mayfield pass the ball? Yeah. You know what it, I mean? Just run, work the clock. You're getting like four yards every time. I mean, so. Kind of like the in-game management stuff. That's where I really he's got to learn. Don't trust yeah Skafanski that much. Mm-hmm. Um, his schemes are his schemes are great. He the way yeah. he, he the way he orchestrates the his, like the play design. I think yeah, is excellent. Is excellent. But I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. His in-game adjustments, his management. That's that's the difference between being a coordinator and a head coach, right? Yeah, for sure. And this Colts, this Colts defense, I'm finally seeing the defense that both you and I were hyping up. Mm-hmm. Honestly, as if Rivers isn't Rivers and doesn't turn the ball over, this team. I mean, I in my eyes, I think they can beat the um, the Chiefs. Well, they did last year, even yeah, with Reich. They they knew yeah. how to slow it down, and they kind of were one of the teams that sort of gave you the template in how to beat them. And I agree with you. This is a fun game. I, I won't have any game, you know, wagers one side or the other. I'll probably maybe have a, a couple DFS here and there. Um, it was nice. O- Odell Beckham last week. He was the fourth Brown since 1950 with two rushing touchdowns or with two receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. So uh, he had that awesome game and maybe they're figuring out how to unlock him. I'm, I'm excited for this. This is a great test for both of these two teams because we think the Colts are good. And they haven't really played anyone yet, so this is this is the best team the Colts have played. And the Browns have, after getting their butts kicked week one, it's like they've played, you know, smaller, 
like tests along the way. They played a couple, you know, the Bengals, Washington's defense is a little bit better, and then they played Dallas, who you know can score with you, but Dallas has a terrible defense. So yeah, this is this is a fun game. I'm very excited for Colts at Browns. We get and to the I, Cow- yeah, go ahead real quick. This two game stretch is really gonna sum up if this Browns team is as good as you and I both think they are because they play the Colts and then the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is gonna kind of be their test. Hey. Are you guys the playoff team that everyone thinks you are, or are you just that middle of the roll team? So for and all me, you these do is, next two games are going to be important. All you got to do is split if you're them too. You know, yep. you come out of these two one and one, and you're you know you're four and two, and you feel good about yourself moving forward. If you don't, you're going uh oh, we're three and three. We had the good start. We still got games against the Brown, uh, the Ravens, and the Steelers left. Then you start you you start wondering, you know. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, huge couple weeks. Coming up for the Browns we got the Cowboys minus nine and a half versus the Giants This is continuing to go the Cowboys way um, Over under in this game is 54 The Giants have not scored a touchdown since week two They have as many touchdowns this year As Odell Beckham Jr. scored last week against the Cowboys um, Then you go to the Cowboys side They are dead last in points allowed in the first half They allowed 31 more last week They've given up a total of 45 points off of turnovers. Mm-hmm. 33% of the points that they've allowed this year as a team have come off of turnovers, which means as bad as their defense is, that's a pretty crappy position to be in when your offense with Dak and Zeke that's supposed to be your strength is is screwing you over 30% of the time and putting you in really bad spots. I just you know the NFC East together, which these two teams are in. Three twelve and one total. I I just I see the Giants scoring with Dallas. I, I this is a this is a lot of points for Dallas. Dallas in my eye, the, how I look at it is I thought the Giants played better last year. Daniel Jones, the offense has looked awful, and their defense, like you mentioned earlier, and I agree with, has looked a lot better, but. This the way this Cowboys team is playing. This is just way too many points. Plus, you got the Garrett revenge factor. If there's ever going to be a good game plan that Garrett's going to put together, it's going to be this week. This is going to be the week. I am definitely going to be on the Giants. Um, and then in turn, the Cowboys, they're not running Zeke enough. Zeke only has 70 carries this year. They're throwing the ball way too much, and that's kind of what Moore did last year, and it's transcended this year. In my eyes, even though they have all those weapons, CD, Gallup, Cooper, Zeke's still your best weapon on offense. Just run the ball. It's kind of like they're funneling more of the offense through Prescott now instead of Zeke, and they're just not as good. And if you look at Aaron Rodgers' record since McCarthy has left, I'm starting to think McCarthy was kind of the issue there, not Rodgers like the media was saying. For me, this is... Way too many points. I'm on the Giants for sure. They brought in a they brought in car. They got rid of Garrett and thought that was going to be the the fix it. And the coach you bring in is very similar. It's yeah, not, it's just not a whole lot different. Not very creative. Um, I I know that. You know, would I be surprised if the Cowboys blow the Giants out? No, because they're so much better. Honestly, like the, at the skill positions, there's so much more of a talented team. But at, like, what positives have you seen from them? This this has to be 
a a week where the Cowboys look and say we got to get right. But I couldn't. I just couldn't. Like maybe I make a survivor pick here or something. I just could never lay ten points with the Cowboys right now. With their oh, their, their defense is a sieve. I mean, you could be up by sixteen. And the Giants could could get you a garbage score late and cover the and cover the game for you. So yeah, I just I could not lay. That's just too many with with Dallas here. And um, the crazy thing is, if the Giants win, they're on top. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I mean, the Giants with how shitty they've played, they're still in it. So I mean, you're still gonna get the effort. You're not gonna get the team. Oh, we're zero four. Season's done. When the Giants haven't I mean, played any any divisional yeah. teams either, just like you said, so yeah. they've got all their divisional games left. They they could they could beat Washington. The Eagles aren't aren't, aren't amazing, uh, you know. So th- this is you're right. This is a really big game for the Giants uh, to to come out and and say, oh, you know what, this division is awful. We still got a shot here. Yeah, I think this is going to be way more competitive, and I'll probably sprinkle a little money line on it. Yeah, that that would not be a bad uh, bad position to be in. Two games left, the Sunday night and then the Monday night Sunday night, we've got the Seahawks They are minus 7 against the Vikings Over under this game is 57 and a half How about Justin Jefferson, the rookie for the Vikings The most receiving yards in the first four games in Vikings history Not Randy Moss, Justin Jefferson, 348 yards total Seattle, they are 4-0 for only the second time in franchise history Only other time they were 4-0, 2013 when they won the Super Bowl um, one DFS play I will have for you here is uh, Tyler Lockett. He did not have a very good game last week. He was just quiet, and he's he's generally one that gets peppered quite a bit, and he's become more of a possession receiver even in the last couple years. And the Vikings secondary is atrocious. They're young against the Russell Wilson. I expect him to carve them apart. So I think Lockett is due for a really, really big game coming up this week. Seahawks minus seven against the Vikings total 50, 57 and a half. How about some of these totals, Eric? Jeez. I mean, they're, well, I mean, every game's gone over. And they all have. Yeah. Vegas has totally adjusted. There's as was shown because both Monday night, the first half went under, um, these games, these totals are just going to get insane, and the unders are just going to have to drag them down. I mean, I wouldn't play anything over fifty-two. I never play. No, no, you just got to wait. They just got to be stayaways, and because it's going to, it's yeah. going to even itself out yeah. a little bit. It's really going to the way the games are officiated, the penalties, all those kind of things. The teams are going to start to understand the way the games are being officiated, and they're going to adjust back to the adjustments made. So we see it. These these. You know these teams and these coaching staffs, and they're they're smart. They're going to make the adjustments. Um, do you have a lean in this game? Yeah, for me, this I always make my team of teams I think are bluff and teams I believe in. This Seattle team, in my eyes, is a bluff. They're averaging giving up four hundred seventy six point three yards per game, and they have given up one hundred nine points. That's only thirteen fewer. Than the Giants have given up this year. Um, so this isn't the Legion of Boom defense. Yes, I get Wilson's playing at an insane level right now, but that's because the defense is so bad. They're, Jamal Adams is not going to play. Um, I just think that the Vikings are going to hang around and play within the seven, just because this, this Seattle defense is just insanely bad. And this is another team that just gets overvalued because oh hey Seattle's 4-0 Russell Wilson's playing great everyone just kind of looks at the box score and doesn't say hey this team's defense is bad 
because of that, the team's going to be able to stay within the number. To piggyback what you said, um, Minnesota has given up the fourth most points to wide receivers, so Lockett is a great play. Seattle has given up the most points to wide receivers, so both wide receivers on both sides would be great fantasy plays this week. If the number wasn't insane at 58, I'd definitely be on the over, but I'm leaning Vikings this week. This might be one few. I was gonna say the, the couple weeks we haven't had too many where we went the other way. The only and and a lot of what you said I completely agree with. I don't. I I think Seattle is good, but I don't know how good because their defense is so bad. Can they make plays when they have to? I actually just think that the Vikings. I don't think I think the Vikings are really bad, and I think the Vikings caught a Texans team last week with all that turmoil who end up firing their coach. So I think the Vikings are maybe going to be coming off of a game where they looked a little bit better because they were playing a team that really didn't give an F what was going on. Yeah. And now and now instead of nine, it's down to seven. So I would not take anything over seven. If you got six and a half or seven, I would lean the Seahawks way because I just think they're they're not going to be the Vikings are not going to be able to stop them. But Again, if the if the total number was a little lower, I would love over. But I think yep. just like you said, if if we and, and there's there's different ways to play some of these teams, right? And so we look at totals, we look at over unders. Okay, you know what? The the totals moved a couple points. Well, that's just like you said, maybe these are teams that you end up just using in DFS instead and try to take advantage of the over in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like people need to understand it's exactly like the stock market you're not gonna sell apple when it's tanking you're gonna sell apple when it's high so for me betting wise like you said that seven is a key number seven i'm buying anything less i'm not i'm just sitting out mm-hmm. yep it, 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 there's so many options there's so many games there's so much in play wagering now if you don't get the numbers you want you don't don't force it because you can always wait and then boom the opposing team scores and then you could jump in and get a better number you know and in, then like I've started doing more player player props. Mm-hmm. Like I've like team props. I did player Zach props absolutely well last week over what was it over forty one and a half yards. That prop in the first three minutes of the game, just because the Colts use the slot wide receiver more. So if a team like Gino and I are both seeing are bad against the wide receivers, look at these wide receiver player props. If you get a touchdown prop at mm-hmm. plus two hundred or more, it's a good play. If you get a receiving prop, anything over like. 51 would be a good play with any of these wide receivers because the secondary is awful. Monday night football. We got the Saints. They are a seven and a half point favorite against the Chargers. Uh, over under this one is 50. I gotta say, um, Herbert's been pretty good so far. Uh, better than I've than I expected. He 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 looks like a quarterback. He's that's never been an issue for him. It's all it's been can he make the adjustments? Can he process things when need be? And and he's done. He's done well so far. Um, I don't really have a strong lean in this game one way or the other. Uh, Saints seven and a half uh, total is fifty. For me, a I mean I made money last week, but the swing of money I lost because the Chargers didn't fully cover the game or win the game was insane. Because I had the Chargers plus the seven, Chargers straight up to win, and I had the Chargers money line parlayed with the Browns money line. So I'm still bitter about Anthony Lynn calling a rush play with a rookie quarterback and rookie running back with 47 seconds left and the Buccaneers only having one timeout in the first half. That kind of swung the game because the Chargers were dominating that game for the first half. Herbert was looking great. Um, Defense was getting to Brady. Brady looked disembobulated. 
But then after they scored that touchdown to cut it to uh, 10, all the energy went out of the Charger, Chargers, and the Bucks just started clicking, and that really flipped the game. So in my eyes, that score is a little bit misleading. In terms of the Saints, this Saints team, this isn't the Saints team of yesteryear. Breeze can't throw the ball down the field. Um, they really didn't look that good against the Lions. Yes, I know it's the Lions, but they did what they had to do to win. They didn't look that good. Um, I just haven't been impressed with what I've seen from them. I'm definitely going to be on the Chargers, if I, especially if I can get over seven and a half. I was going to say it's up to eight, and there's even some eight and a halfs um, starting to creep up on the boards now. So Because I'm, the thing I'm, with the, the Chargers, excuse me, is they have Bosa, and as long as Bosa's out there, he's going to be able to create havoc, and that's going to keep him in games. With Herbert, he looks better, but there's still going to be that one or two bonehead play he makes. That one dime he had when he hit was Glayton right in stride. That was an insane elite pass that he made. He is way better than I gave him credit for. So I'm definitely going to be on the charges in this game. Hopefully Lynn doesn't make a bonehead call. Yeah, I feel the same way about Herbert, too. He's he's looked better in a few games than I thought he even had in him. So uh, I would be on the same side with you. I'd be Chargers, especially when you can when you can see some eights and some eight uh, pluses up on the board. So uh, Eric... Week five NFL. What are some of the things that you've either already played or that you're circling? You're looking forward to playing uh, this week. Um, I'm looking at the Chargers, looking at the Giants, um, and Eagles. Not, no, yes, and the Eagles. Eric, you have a a great uh, podcast. You also are a very good following on social media, Twitter, Instagram. You'll constantly be posting uh, just different news stories each day, five things going on in the world of sports here and there. Um, always love following you and always love catching up with you. Let the folks know out there, where can they follow you on social media? Um, you can follow me at etoff21sports21 on uh, – I have a Twitter Instagram and I've been doing some TikTok stuff, which is actually kind of way funner than I thought it would be. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I, I do fantasy rankings. I give waiver wire suggestions. Do a little sports night and review. I have a betting service too. If you guys are interested in betting service, where I give out how to manage your money and what games to bet on during the day. Eric, thank you so much, buddy. Um, looking forward to talking to you again. Uh, always have a, a blast, and I appreciate the work you put in. Uh, anytime man, I appreciate it Don't go anywhere folks, we're going to take a quick break We will be back with plenty more on That's What G Said One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full service realtor And I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are going to be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. 
and you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Big, big thank you to Eric. So uh, just a quick recap. Seahawks minus seven, Arizona minus seven, Texans minus six. The plays for me, other numbers just to look for. Um, those were the three the three plays I have, but the other numbers, if you can find, uh, look around for. Um, these would be games I'm leaning to. Bengals, uh, anything you know above the 13 would be fine, but look for 14. Raiders, same thing, bigger numbers there, plus 14. Rams around minus seven. If you could find a Carolina plus three, those would be uh, numbers that I'd be okay with. Best of luck this week, NFL Week Five. We are going to get right into the horse racing part of that's what G said this week. Get your past performances out for Friday. We'll start with Belmont Park. Three plays at Belmont, and the first will be in race number three. And we're going to look at the number eight in here. These are maiden $40,000 claimers. They're going to go six furlongs on the turf course. And I like Buyer's Remorse, who's going to be trying the turf for the first time. So this one will drop in for maiden special weights to maiden 40s. Four siblings tried the turf. Three of them won on it. This is a class dropper who has had some issues, but she's drawn well towards the outside in a race that's not loaded with speed. Look who she's faced in some of her starts. So career start number two, she runs into Bast, multiple grade one winner. She hooks up with Lakothia, multiple stakes winner. She dares the devil. Yeah, your Kentucky Oaks winner. Secret keeper who won next out and then was a, a second in the grade three Tory Pines. This is a much softer spot for buyer's remorse, outside draw, speed in a race without a whole ton of it. I think they're going to get aggressive and send buyer's remorse. Anything around four to one will make a win wager in race number three at Belmont Park. On Friday, we move to race number seven at Belmont. This will be our second play of the day for Friday. Three plays at Belmont Park on Friday. So I'm going to go to the one, point him out. The blinkers come off as he's going to go second off the short break. He was squeezed back after the start, and then he was right up on the heels of a uh, rival. He was steadied back. He lost some ground. He just never looked comfortable. Blinkers come off, saves the ground from the inside. Johnny V jumps aboard. Plenty of things to like about the number one point him 
out. We're going to make a win wager if we get around 4-1. to one. Make sure to include him in all of your exotics there. And we move to race number 8 at Belmont Park, the third and final play for Friday. I'm going to go to the 8, Mischief of Foot. He's run into some nice horses in nice form throughout his career, right? His debut, three technique in Necker Island. There were actually three next out winners in that field. In his second career start, he runs into Sonneman, who won his next two. Actually, Sonneman just finished second in the Pat Day Mile recently. There were a couple next out winners that day. In November, he hooked up the field with three next out winners, including Country Grammar, who's a, a Country Grammar is a Grade Three winner. He wasn't even one of those next out winners. And then you see Moon over Miami, who I've always been a fan of. Farmington Road was also a next out winner. Recently, he's behind Danny California, who's won three in a row, won a stakes last time out. And Mischief of Foot was a solid second in the slop. You get a slight cutback. The outside draw will give him some options in here. I think he's a must-use in all of your late exotics. Maybe even a horse to single, but I'll make a win wager if we can get anything around 5-2. to two. Three plays at Belmont for Friday. Third race, the eight, Buyer's Remorse. Four to one is the line that we want there. Um, anything above it, we're fine with. Seventh race, the one point him out. We want around four to one on that one. And in the eighth race, the number eight, Mischief Afoot. Those are your three plays over at Belmont Park for Friday. Let's go to Keeneland for Friday. Get those past performances out. Let's kick it off in race number one. I thought the two charge it, Jen. A little interesting in here. She was uh, she was pretty solid. She had a good start last time out. She was a close-up third, fourth in between. She was up to three deep pressing. She really tried hard down the center of the track when finishing second on July the 8th uh, right here at Keeneland. The outside horse just flies. She's going to be really tough. She's the lone three-time winner in the field. It sort of looks like this race was actually written for her. She's looking for her third in a row, drawn well with, you know, there's some other speed in here, so that's the the concern is maybe you want someone who can come from a little bit more off the pace, but the outside draw really should be beneficial to her. Abram Max would be the other one who's looking for the, the third in a row. Race two, I think the sixth diamond coat. We have some question marks about the rest of this field getting seven furlongs and the distance. That's not the case with this with this one. She's going to be cutting back from five tries in a row going longer. She's actually won going a mile in the 16th recently. She's proven she can stalk. She's got the outside draw. And she last won at Churchill when she sat second after a nice start just off the leader and, and crushed. If she sits similar to that, she's going to be really tough in here. I think the six is interesting at around maybe seven to two or so the one keep your distance will probably be the one to catch i think they shove hard from the inside and you know what do you do with skamania who they claim for 62 in for 32 right away i thought no mazar the other diodoro horse may give diodoro a nice compliment in here with a speed from the inside and then one the, a nice philly like no mazar who can try to pick them all up six Diamond Coat, uh, one keep your distance, and five Nomazar. Those are the uh, the three for me there in race number two. In the third race, it's a wrap. Has an opportunity from the inside to steal this. There's just not a ton of sprint speed in here, so this may be a horse you could take a look at singling in your in your early pick fives. The two trash talking Yankee, major major shot in here, cutting back from the mile in the sixteenth to seven furlongs. The step slow, then sat just off, made a three wide bid, opened up. 
couple lengths uh, early in the stretch before you know stopping badly. But the cutback should really, really help. Hirsch is another who you can make an excuse and just say that last effort was in a little too tough. Tossed the turf race a couple starts back. Anything close to that August 14th at Ellis would make him really, really tough in here. So I have this thing 1, 2, and 5 in race number 3. In the 4th race, you know, the 11 is going to be really tough. The 4 will also show some good speed. But give a look to the 3, Ghostly Who, who had a good start. Uh, Churchill, last time out, was just off the leader in the 2-path, was in between early, and made a bid to the lead. But just briefly, and then folded. That was going 6.5, you cut back to 6, and he has enough tactical speed to stay close, but he's not going to be right on the lead in here. I think he should be just tracking right behind and he may be a nice horse who can get you, you know, a little middle price separation in an early pick five, the three ghostly who in race number five, it's going to be tough to beat the three flat Toya on the drop in class for maiden specials. He's she's got good speed. She's actually been able to sit off a little bit, but she just feels a lot better than this group. If you're nervous about singling a horse who's had her chances before, the the six and seven looks like the other two to me. Uh, Grumpante, who's going to go first off the claim for Wilkes and will be coming from off the pace, turning back to six furlongs on the dirt. Charmed one, who's going to put two starts together, should show some improvement there. Race number six, uh, give a look to the two. Captain Maestri, at least to throw into some of your, uh, your late pick fives or whatever wagers you're playing. So... He debuted, finished third, going long on the main. It was a race that was actually taken off the turf. The siblings are a combined 5 for 11 on the grass, and mainly Mr. Ryder, who was a five-time winner on the turf. And he chased lone speed in his debut. Just kind of feeling he's going to improve on the grass in here. Dreams of tomorrow, you'd also expect to improve on the turf. The one telephone talker, probably the one to beat. Six in the seven, very logical, but they have some question marks. You know, We haven't seen either one of them on the grass in in a while so two three one question marks on the six and the seven there throw the two in on some of your uh, your exotic wagers in the seventh race it would be the three behind the couch it would be the six not a problem as the two for me nothing crazy or outside the box in race number eight the six i would give a look to here lasting legacy who's just super consistent and feels like he's the most versatile he is able to sit a little closer if need be but he just you look up and down he feels like he's he's very well spotted and he jumps off the page to me in here i wouldn't be shocked if he gets bet a little bit the two hog creek hustle in this bigger field should have a little more pace to chase the 12 and nine other horses i will be using exotically in uh, in race number eight and then in race number nine, probably just too deep in the uh, the Buffalo Trace Franklin. Into Mystic would be the horse I would take a shot at using along with God Stormy, who is now a turf sprinter, and she could be very, very tough with uh, this new choice in career as a turf sprinter now. And in race number 10, it looks like 6-7. Those would be the two I look to. Uh, Palomita, I think, with the speed as an opportunity to steal that one so that's over at keeneland on friday best of luck in your friday wagers at keeneland we'll go to santa anita for a couple plays at santa anita on friday three plays santa anita get those past performances out 
On a day when the Lakers hope to win an NBA title, Mamba Cool will hope to win race number one at Santa Anita. In his last start, he got buried down inside. It was an absolutely brutal trip, multiple bouts with trouble. He's now going to go second time turf, second off the short break. Wouldn't be shocked to see him get aggressive in here, second time going long with not a ton of other speed in this race. Maybe he's sitting second or very close up. That's the number one, Mamba Cool, make sure to use him in all of your exotics and make a win wager if you get anything around 4-1 to one in race number 1. Move to race number 4 on Friday and look at the number 6 after midnight for Carla Gaines, who's much better with horses that are making their 2nd and 3rd starts and horses with experience. She broke on top. She sat third. She got caught in between horses. She ends up angling three wide, right up on even terms with the leader, but was no match for the winner that day. Was a clear cut second, and she should show some improvement stretching out the number six after midnight. We then move to race number eight for uh, a look at a a bit of a price here. And this one's going to be getting back to the grass. That is Musawat. Who's going to go third off the long layoff. Back to the turf was a winner at a mile and an eighth on the grass last time we saw him on the green. He's coming out of some dirt races where they went very quick early on. And he can sit close to mid-pack. Musuat, anything around 6-1. to one. We'll make a win wager on that one. Make sure to flop him into all of your uh, exotic wagers. First race, the number one, Mamba Cool. Anything around 4-1. to one. Fourth race, the number six after midnight. Anything around seven to two. And the eighth race, the number seven, Musawat. Anything around six to one. That is Friday over at Santa Anita. Horse racing fans, make sure to check out OldSmokeClothing.com. Horse racing t-shirts, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats with horse names, big races, slogans. You can get custom designs. Show the horse racing fan in you. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you free shipping on your order. Yes, that's right. Free shipping on your order with the promo code G-I-N-O. This is a great gift for someone in your life, family, friend, loved one that you know is interested in horse racing you don't see a whole lot of places out there with horse racing gear and horse racing swag that's why you need to make old smoke clothing a website that you check out all the time they're constantly updating it with new horses that have won big races authentic tis the law some of your favorite horses you'll find shirts or hats uh, different ways you can support them and uh, you can show the horse racing fan in you. Don't forget about that promo code G-I-N-O. Get you free shipping on your order. Let's move on to Saturday. And we get over to Belmont Park Saturday first. There are five uh, graded stakes races on Saturday at Belmont. And you got to be honest, they're not that great. And it's a little bit unfortunate because a lot of these races we know as prestigious races, but in general, the fields are just, they don't look like there's a lot of opportunity for crazy upsets. They're not the most contentious in the world. So let's get into race number four, which is the Champagne. Grade one for two-year-olds. Jackie's Warrior is going to be your heavy favorite, three to five on the morning line. And he looks like the clear and lone real speed in here. Nobody else seems to be even close to as quick as him. Now he's never gone the mile, but he's progressed nicely from five to six to seven furlongs. And he should have no issues 
with the the mile and what makes this race a, a race that I can't wager and really get involved in is that the only other two horses you can honestly think you know could compete with Jackie's Warrior are reinvestment risk and midnight bourbon and they're not going to be great prices so there's just nothing really that I love is from from a wagering standpoint in here Jackie's Warrior is going to be tough now in race number 5 the I look at Kanata, who should get a great trip in here. So Kanata should sit very, very nicely. The rail concerns me a bit for Vequist. Data out of the office is the one who I will I'll play it around three to one. She's got some speed, but she showed that she can sit off the pace. I love the draw. We have some, you know, no real issues. When I was reading up uh, on her. The connections just said they just wanted to, to take a little bit of time off and and let her develop and she fits very very nicely in here. Day out of the office going to be the play for me. It'll be five and two in race number five at Belmont Park. That's the the Grade One for Zet. Let's get you to race number eight. This is the Flower Bowl. I'm going to go to Civil Union here. Her tactical speed makes her very, very dangerous. She sat right behind horses, angled around, just looked like a pro. And she's in great form. She's looking for her fourth consecutive victory. I think she has a legitimate shot to beat the Chad Brown Brigade in here. Of the Chad Browns, I actually like Nay Lady Nay the most. She's been beating softer. Now she's going to face tougher and she's going to go longer. But she is coming out of those shorter races, which means she should be a little closer early than some of the deep closers in here. So Brown wouldn't have her in here if she didn't belong. He knows with with so many others what the measuring stick for some of these spots are is and, and Nay Lady Nay fits. So there'll be two horses that I'm using in race number eight and in a lot of the exotics. And Nay Lady Nay is one of them along with Civil Union three six for me. In race number eight, the grade one flower bowl. How about the Jockey Club Gold Cup? Five horses, Tacitus, your heavy favorite, and Happy Saver, the three-year-old from the inside in a race with not a ton of speed, will maybe try to get the lead. They may even try to get aggressive with Tacitus. If the one and the four end up going, maybe it sets up for Mystic Guide again. You know, you're looking at these races. This is the grade one Jockey Club Gold Cup. With a five horse field. And this is not a strong group of five. It would be. You know. I guess I would give Happy Saver. A, a little bit of a shot with upside. I'd go one four five. In race number nine. The Sands Point. Feels like of all the races. That you, you might even be able to, to make a wager here. But then you look, you know, you have Tama here for Brown. You have Selflessly for Brown. They'll both take some money. Speak to me of Summer. will take some for Clement. I'm going to look to uh, to Miss Jay McKay, who I think sits the perfect trip in here. Probably sitting second. She was a really, really nice second last time out over at Kentucky. She's been so consistent. I think Pure Wow is going to go. She looks like the pace factor. Is she good enough? Who knows? She'll be up front. Miss Jay McKay sitting right behind. I've got five one seven there with the three in race number 10. So some big stakes races at Belmont Park, but honestly not a whole lot of depth and um, not 
not races where you're looking and you're going to be able to find five, eight, ten to one shots because they just probably won't exist. To to be fair, we'll move from Belmont over to Keeneland for Saturday. Let's turn to race number five. Uh, let's go to race number five at Keeneland for Saturday, and we'll go to the number one Cowboy Diplomacy. This is a horse who I would be okay with singling against the favorite because, you know, the, a lot of money is going to come in for Nashville here. Cowboy Diplomacy is going to go third off the long layoff and cut back to six furlongs. Just expect a much better effort from this one here in race number five at Keeneland on Saturday. In the sixth race, the four zoology. I think she's going to get bet a, a little bit in here. If she's anything around six to one or so, that seems about fair. Her dam won her debut going a mile and 16th on the turf. That was the only start her dam had, and she won. She has produced six winning turf siblings out of eight. They've combined for 18 wins and $1.8 million in earnings. A couple of the big ones, Royal Fury, who is multiple graded stakes placed, Coffee Click, who's a grade one winner and multiple graded stakes winner. Now, this born isn't, you know necessarily been crazy on fire with first-time starters, but over the last five years, they're three for 37 with first-time starters going long, and when they going long on the grass in this situation, and they when they pop, they pop at big prices. I think Zoology is extremely live. Make sure to throw the four into some of your exotics there and make a win wager if you get around six to one or so. In race number seven, it's the four for me. It's been it's binge watch. Who's going to be making career start number two? She debuted at seven furlongs at Ellis Park. Now cuts back to six and a half. She was off a little slow from the rail. She was last. Then she was behind horses. Uh, she moves up the inside. She's right up on the heels of arrival. She has to steady. She loses some ground. She loses momentum. A couple a couple lengths, and she was sitting, you know. Ready to go with run, but she had nowhere to go on the turn, and she ends up, you know, flattening out. She's gonna get off the rail today, and her dam was a stakes winner, earned two hundred seventeen thousand. She got experience at this trip because she's already gone seven furlongs, and now she cuts back. You get Pratt to jump aboard. That's the number four binge watch. If you get anything around five to one, let's make a win wager on the number four in race number seven at Keeneland. On Saturday Race 8 is the grade 2 Fayette and I do Think that Mr. Freeze is the one to beat In here but he may not be the one To bet in here you probably want to use him In your exotics But I think the one that that we may want to make A wager on if we get anything over 5-1 to That's Aurelius Maximus Who's lightly raced with tons of upside In his last two He won both of them and then we saw him on September the 5th at Churchill. He, he had a good start. He was in the four path going into the turn. He was in the second flight. He was just off. He moved up to second, and he was able to sit really close. He take he was able to take the lead, and he battled, and he actually was headed for a moment, but quickly battled back and opened up. I think very highly of this one, and I think Asmussen does too. It shows you that he places him in this spot. He thinks he's ready to fire uh, a big, big effort here. Aurelius Maximus, the number 10, we will use right on top, and we'll look for a value line of around 5-1 to one on him in race number 8. In the ninth race, tons of respect for Harvey's little Goyle. The magic attitude, I think, is going to run well, but I like Hendy Woods 
She was tracking on the inside in third last time out. She was just off. She got in tight. She got shuffled a bit. And then she was fourth, about two lengths off. She was traveling really well. She was waiting for room. She tried to go inside, nowhere to go. Then she angles around three deep, up and around. She was a strong second behind Shearing. If she can improve just a little bit, she'll be right there. And you should get, you know, at least six to one or so on her. She's ten to one on the morning line. I'd want at least five before making a win wager on Hendy Woods. And then to close things out in race number ten, keep a, an eye on the the first time starter escape route. The Catalano's barn uh, barn numbers with first time starters aren't great over the last year and a half. Before that, though. Really, really solid, capable barn first time out. And this guy has some sneaky works. I think he's in a great spot here. Escape route. 713 would be for me in race number 10. So, horses to look at at Keeneland on Saturday in the fifth, the one, Cowboy Diplomacy. In the sixth, the four, Zoology. The seventh race, the number four, Binge Watch. Eighth race, the number 10, Aurelius Maximus. And the ninth race, the number six, Hendy Woods. That's on Saturday over at Keeneland. Just two plays over at Santa Anita on Saturday. And I mean, I just, you know, I look up and down the cards, and some days there are, you know, things in every race that jump out at you. Other days there aren't. And there was not much at Santa Anita that I liked. But in the fourth race, I thought the eight Dolce should get the setup, right? You got speed all up and down the field. And Dolce drew the outside last time out, drawing post 10, was able to stalk, ended up mid pack. Fifth was three off, had a really wide trip all the way around, and won't have to be as wide and will have more pace to chase in here. Plenty of things to like about the number eight, Dolce. Use along with the number four, Affiance, who has enough speed to stay right there, but she's not as, as fast as some of the others in here, and that should be a blessing in disguise for her. So let's use the eight and the four in some of the exotics in race number four. And perhaps a late exotic single in race number six is the eight Hottitude, who anything around five to two, I may make a win wager on. She broke outwards, but she broke well, and she settled third in her last start. She was inside, and then she was back to about three lengths off. She ran up on the heels of a rival. She was in tight. She kept at the inside, and she got shuffled again. She was chasing a wire-to-wire winner that day, and she just ended up losing second late. So she... She fits. She makes a lot of sense, and she should be a, you know, around five to two or so, and maybe a horse to single in some of your late exotics there. So in the fourth race, the number eight Dolce use along with the four, and in the sixth race, the number eight Hottitude there, and that's at Santa Anita on Saturday. Plenty going on this weekend in the world of Stable Duel on Friday. So if Stable Duel, you, you know, if you haven't heard about Stable Duel, if you're not sure what it is, it is. Daily horse racing contest You build a lineup With a salary cap format Where you have to select 10 horses On a day for a certain race card And you're in contests Where you're playing for you know $5 entry fee $10 entry fee $20 entry fee $50 entry fees You're playing against a bunch of other contestants And if you look at the rules If your horse finishes in the top 5 positions You pick up points You get additional points for Amount of lengths uh, won by if, When your horse wins And it is a blast You can't just pick favorites all the way through Because it's a salary cap based It won't let you do that So you have to you know 
kind of massage all the way through. Which races are you going to spend up a little bit? Which races are you going to have to, you know, take a swing on a long shot? Are you looking at horses who are going to get bet down off their morning lines? And and this weekend, plenty of options, and you're getting some big contests at big racetracks with Stable Duel. Friday, two Keeneland options. You can play for a $10 entry fee. You can play for $50 entry fee, and that's a top 10 contest. It's payouts to the top 10. At Santa Anita, they have a $5 entry. They also have a $25 entry that's a top 10 contest. On Saturday, at Keeneland, there's a $10 entry. There's also a $25 entry that's got a $5,000 prize pool. And you get double points for rewards points and to jump up on the leaderboard. So make sure to get involved in that contest because you can instantly double up your points for the contest and make a big leap to uh, your next like reward status and more rewards points for you. Then on Saturday you can play at Santa Anita for $5 or a $25 entry, top 10. On Sunday you can play at Keeneland for a $10 entry, a $25 top 10, and then they also have a Santa Anita $25 top 10. Let's give you a horse or two to use in your lineups uh, for Friday at Keeneland. Uh, I'm looking to a couple. It, it ghostly who uh, I look at it for three thousand as great value in race number four. I also look in race number six at the two for only seven hundred and fifty dollars. Captain Maestri trying the grass for the first time. Those are two horses I think at great value that can help you, you know, really spend up in other races. On Friday And then at Santa Anita On Friday We know some of the horses that we mentioned when discussing the Santa Anita races Mamba Cool in race number 1 Would be great for, for 5000 There, a great way to kick things off You could go to race 4 with After Midnight Who would only also cost you 5000 And how about Moose Watt Who is another price that only costs you 750 Couple to use in your Stable dual lineups on Friday at Keeneland and then At Santa Anita and then at Saturday At Keeneland We went through the Saturday You know a lot of the stakes races What's nice about the the Saturday Stable duel contest is I like a lot of big priced horses That I think will get bet down a little bit Which is what you want in stable duel Race number 6 Zoology Would only be 750 Binge watch Only 1000 Aurelius Maximus only a thousand, Hendy Woods only a thousand. You can really, really spend in the other races if you use two or three of those combinations of horses. In the big one on Keeneland on Saturday, that's that big Keeneland twenty-five dollar entry fee to get in five thousand in prizes, with double points to the annual uh, leaderboard and rewards points for anyone playing in that contest. If you have any questions about anything going on in Stable Duel, about anything with any of our sponsors, any questions at all, I always love hearing from you. And in the next week or two, things will change with baseball, with basketball finishing up. We'll have a lot of uh, 
a lot of NFL, a lot of horse racing, and we're going to start getting you involved more. I, I'm going to bring back a lot of the segments where we read through your best bets. I want to start getting some fans to call into the show and get a little more interaction with the with the, some of you out there. We'll start recapping some TV shows uh, coming up soon also, and and we'll get back to some of the old wrestling rewatches and get some more wrestling stuff coming now in, in as some of the uh, the major sports will be winding down. Hope you all have a great weekend. Good luck in your wagering. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, review, share the show around with all of your friends. Joey, close us out.